All right, peace family. Welcome to the Brother Ben X podcast. Now, we are here. Now, this is going to be kind of funny. Now, I'm going to be revealed this. I never asked you this personally, but I'm not sure if you know, but I always call you. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. I always call you AKA Nundrum. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I'm Mm -hmm. sure it's Akanundrum, right? Facts. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So we are here with. I could nunja, not AKA nunja. So anybody who I've said that uh, two years ago, I used to always talk about you, but AKA nunja is not how you actually said. But before we get started today, what, where did that name come from and what does it mean? So uh, it's actually helpful though, because when people go to search for me, it works. Oh, You know what I mean? Because they just type in AKA and then it just kind of autocompletes. But um, a conundrum, which we know is a hard to solve mystery or riddle, um, and it's a play on my sorority letters. So AKA. So it's just a conundrum, but it just has the AKA in front. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, today, family, that's who we have uh, to introduce this sister, man. She has been very consistent. Uh, man, I think we, we connected like super long ago when I was trying to build my own platform and do movies and stuff like that. So. 16, 15. Yeah, so mm-hmm. like Tubi TV and all that type of stuff. I was trying to do that back in the day. I'm glad I didn't. I probably got sued the way I was trying to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's been very helpful just over the years, man. Encouraging, you know, just always had kind words. And she's always been consistent in warning the black community. We're just all communities about, you know, what's going on when it comes to entrepreneurship, offering different opportunities. And, um, you know, just warning us, especially during the pandemic. You know, a lot of things I would look at her pages to see what was going on over the world, all over the world, because many of us, you know, we 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 get these uh, videos that we see on social media. But then she brings the reality of what's actually going on and how it's actually affecting people. So um, if you can, I want to start with this, not just a quiet uh, quitting, but I want to talk about yourself a little bit. How did you come into this? this lane of entrepreneurship and, and, and doing what you do, was you always like this or did as things came about on social media or did you just see a need and start to feel it? Well, I mean, what I do is kind of like twofold, right? So there is the entrepreneurship component and the education component to that. But then there's also, of course, the love and the loyalty to the black community. So both of those things have um, been running adjacent. So As a child, you know, I did a few little dibble dabbles. I did a little tutoring. I um, I think I was like six and I started like a little exercise uh, course and, you know, just always trying to do stuff. And then I was as I was working, um, trying to always try to find a little side hustle, you know, things like that. So that was already there. The creative drive was already there. The need to, you know, just make money, you know what I mean, on the side was always there. Um, but in terms of us and the black community, you know, I, I am a black woman, you know what I mean? That's, that was there from day one. So that became, you know, a focus really, I'm going to say more so when I got into college and I started to really understand the disparities that they don't teach you in junior high school, that they don't teach you historically in, you know, um, grade school and middle school. So really starting to understand um, the discrepancies and where we were, it made me want to be more active in that. My mentor, um, he, he, you know, is definitely in sociology, but he studies the um, sociology of the black experience. And so I was really fed a lot of information that changed my perspective, my, my um, unapologeticness in saying we have our own things in our community that we need to fix. 
And so, um, you know, we always talk about building our own tables, but I think about also how as we want to come to the global table, I want us to come and not have our hand out. I want us to actually come and have ourselves together and be contributing people as well. So we, you know, that's why I feel like it's unapologetic for any any group to fix you first before you can actually join in. Got it. So what was your first kick at um, entrepreneurship? Did you start off as an entrepreneur or did you start off with the with the nine to five? Nine to five. Definitely. Um, I had my first job at 15. Uh, working at McDonald's, forged my work permit so I could get that job. Uh, so I was working at, at, at uh, 15. Um, I've done a lot. Call center work, cocktail work, um, extra. That was really cool in L.A., California. So did extra work, did um, all kinds of work, and then um, moved up into management for a Fortune 500 company that you guys may know of as Edible Arrangements. So successfully managed that, took that company um, from – out of 61 stores in California, being number 43 to number two, um, both years that I managed. So doing that successfully really gave me my legs, uh, gave me insight into really taking that business approach to entrepreneurship. Because, you know, for us, it's kind of like we come up with a little thing, we got a little sale or whatever, but really getting behind a franchise and seeing the structure, the SOPs, the mechanics, the profit and loss statements and things like that, that really helped to give me a little bit more structure. And then um, I further educated myself uh, taking classes at UCLA, taking free courses, um, which are no longer available, unfortunately, at uh, uh, what was I think it was I University or um, iTunes University that they used to have up for free, where you could take classes, business classes from Harvard, from Berkeley for free for years that this was up. So then educating myself um, from that. So my very first real venture did not generate any money. <laughs> to be honest with you, like it, it was a total bust for years, right? It was it was a bust for years um, that I really did all of the checklists and everything that you're supposed to do. I knew that it was long term. So I did a few hustles in between that time as seed money, you know, to pay your bills, to pay your rent, free up my time. So I didn't have to work a nine to five. So that's where I really started to gain more legs and more traction in terms of experience at being a serial entrepreneur. So being that you was working at a place like that and was learning what you was learning, what what caused you to, I guess, go from nine to five to there uh, to to being an entrepreneur? Why didn't you just stay? Well, to be honest with you, um, I've been in a couple of situations where there were layoffs. I've been in a couple of situations where there was gross mismanagement, where people would literally not get their paychecks for weeks. And because it was in Cali and a lot of people were immigrants, you know, they just had to kind of deal with it. Um, I've worked as a cocktail waitress. I've seen in casinos, I've seen business owners come in and be very open and transparent that they have pretty much squandered all of their business credit, you know, and so forth and so on. So initially I probably was like a lot of us, we would have this idea of a business owner in our minds, like, Oh my God, this person is so smart. They got it all together. They know what they're doing. You know, like they, they just seem like they were not me. And, um, I had to really sit and think after a couple of times of having that situation where you walk into a, a job and they've laid everybody off or whatever that, I thought about it like, hmm, especially getting to intimately know some people who run businesses and know what they were lacking. I, I had to sit and think about it like, wow, we really don't act out of fear. And we feel like when we get a job, we're secure. 
But what we're really doing is putting our lives in the hands of other individuals. Like when you go to get a car note, you are promising that dealership or that bank that you're going to make a payment. When you sign a lease, you're promising and you're ensuring that based on what? I have a job, a job that's really kind of like outside of your control. And when I started to really understand that it did not matter sometimes how much I showed up, how well I showed up, that it could simply be someone's own ignorance or mismanagement that could put me in dire straits. And then one of the last things that I saw was being a manager and knowing that a company was about to be sold about two, three months ahead of time. But my best friend's husband, who was the co-owner, agreed to, he didn't want to tell the staff until the day of. And he knew that none of them were going to have their jobs. So I had to really sit back and think to myself, like, I'm trusting these people with my livelihood, but who can I trust better than me? Who's going to be honest? Like, we're trusting people. You've never seen a profit and loss statement. You, you, you don't even know what the financial health is sometimes of those companies while you're taking out these auto loans and these mortgages and things like that. And I think that COVID kind of showed that. So for me, that leap was once I educated myself, I felt better about it. But I said, you know what? I think I can trust myself to take care of myself, if that makes sense. Now, that's interesting because, you know, what we're going to be talking about today is quiet quitting. So for you to even know that that happens, but still mm-hmm. have your stance when it comes to quiet quitting. It's going right. to uh, be pretty interesting. Uh, right. It is very well. It's very well. It's not emotional based. Yeah. It's, it's based in logic. It's based in, I'm 47 years old. It's based in experience. Right. So it's rooted in, in, in a lot of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so before we get to the choir, I want to give more background. You, you worked at this company that many of us know about. From what you've seen over the years, what is the major difference between uh, a well-ran company that does well versus us who kind of learning entrepreneurship and business over the way? What's the main thing you saw that we don't have in place that they do have in place that we need to get on top of? The fundamentals, the basic, the knowledge, the experience, the conversation, the exposure. We lack, we lack in all of those things. Like right now, you know, I've had a conversation with Black-owned businesses, which I've fundamentally support vehemently have created platforms to pr- promote, you know, exhaustively um, for free. That's, you know, my, my pride and joy. But I have to also be honest with us. And I told us, I said, okay, we're at a time right now where we're moved outside the opulence. We've moved outside of people having enormous amounts of disposable income. So we need to do a SWOT analysis. You need to understand your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats. You have to, as we say, read the room. You got to check your temperature. You have to know what's going on. So with that being said, I've told black people this fundamentally. Let me make you guys understand why we are vulnerable and how we are vulnerable. Number one, we tend to sell items that are non-essential. That is no shade to the black community. It's just a testament to the fact that we arrived at the market very late because we were the product. Right. So we have not been around from the inception of America where we don't own transportation, aviation, water, electricity. You know, we don't own these companies because we were not here and allowed to participate. We were the reason why other people had the money to do that. So we have joined the marketplace very, very late, which means we're kind of grabbing the low hanging fruit in terms of entrepreneurship. Okay, now, number two. We also tend to sell our items overpriced. Why? 
because we usually don't have access to the capital that would allow you to buy your items in enough bulk to get your profit margin down. So you have to pass that on to the customer, right? We also have a lot of added and additional business expenses that we just don't need know how to maneuver and meander around that we have to roll into the cost of our goods. So we sell things that are non-essential and they're overpriced. And we tend to sell to our own because we're often satisfying a need or a niche that was underserved, our own community. Then we're usually the face of our businesses, which means we're going to attract our own. But the problem with that is in the black community, we have the least disposable income. So when we're being realistic, we are selling non-essential items, things that people do not need, that are overpriced to people who have the least amount of money. Mm. A lot of people don't like the truth, Ben. They, they want me to coddle them. They want me to just cheer them on. They want me to just, you can do it. We got this. You know, you won't break myself. That's what they want. But I'm going to give you the encouragement. I'm going to give you the tools. I'm going to give you the platform. I'm going to give you the game. I'm going to give you everything. But I'm going to also give you that healthy dose of reality. We need balance. And so fundamentally, when you say, well, why are we lacking in business? You cannot make up that fast for lost time. You have legacy companies that have been around for 200 years. Do you understand? Here's a fun fact. What was going on in 1867, Ben? I don't know. I'm about to have a dyslexic moment. You know, the, you know, you know the little time where they said, "Hey, y'all are free to go." Mm. Remember when they, they said black people were free in America, free to go? Standard Oil was incorporated then. You know who Standard Oil belongs to? Rockefeller. Mm. So the same year that we were being freed as slaves, the man who would be right now to this day, besides Mansa Musa, and you know we can do all that conversation back and forth, but on record. The richest man was incorporating his company. In that time, J.P. Morgan Chase Pierpont was being forced by his father to count a million dollars manually when we were slaves. We didn't even we were not allowed to read. They know ROI. They speak a different language. So you got to think about what conversations and what understanding is being passed down generationally, not just the money. But the understanding, the concept, the knowledge, the information. So that's why we are extremely vulnerable. Now, we are fast learners. I will give us that. You see what I'm saying? We learn and we're conceptual learners because we have done what we do in the streets. We've done what we do in life. And sometimes this is just a matter of piecing those concepts together for us to like, you know, get that. Oh, 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 okay. So that's what that. Oh, got it. Got it. Boom. Okay. That's all we're doing right here. And that's what I like to do. I like to be that bridge and that translator to take these really complex concepts in business and break them down to you in everyday language that you can understand. But when it comes to, well, why are we behind? That's why you just cannot get past that time and that experience. That's interesting. You say that because I'm wondering what's your thoughts on how to overcome that? Because in my mind, um, well, let me say this. There was a sister here in our city. Uh, we went viral a couple of years ago because after 10, 10, 15, the minister was talking about justice or else. So we went viral for boycotting this Kore- two Korean beauty supply stores on each end of the street. And we were sending everybody to the black sister. Well, mm-hmm. it was successful, but they started to make maneuvers to where she couldn't get certain things that they was getting. And, of course, you know, the pricing or whatever, she's not able to buy a whole bunch in bulk, like you were saying, 
to get things at a lower price. And then as I also was thinking about, you know, just on social media and in our community, especially when you want to help out the community, a lot of people do want stuff for free or they want everything discounted. But at the same time, our prices got to, like you say, be a little bit higher because we can't get it at a low price because we ain't got a hundred thousand or maybe business credit ain't good enough to get it in bulk. So the price has got to be higher and the people who could, who could actually afford maybe the value that ain't our target audience. So if we got a product that's high, Maybe white folks may be able to afford it, but they ain't rocking with me because of what I also say outside of business. So how do we get around that when your target audience is your people? Because ain't nobody else going to support you because of your stance, but they ain't got the money. Right. So one, the first the first issue is vertical integration and vertical integration is also something that comes over time. Like you start with a product, right? And you do that product successfully. So then you want to move into a, a larger space. All right. So you move into a little warehouse space. Then you're like, whoa, I'm really thanging it. So then you're like, let me just go ahead on and own this warehouse. Right. So you're like, boom. OK, so now I got the product and I got the distribution down. We don't really know how to scale a lot of times. So the next level of scaling to me and that model some people would just go and make another warehouse and another warehouse. I would actually designate a section of my web, my, my warehouse to other businesses and start to distribute for other people. Hmm. You see, like there's certain certain protections that we don't think about in terms of scalability. So one vertical integration is what's going to help us when it comes down to that distribution. Right. Being the actual manufacturers. I said something a long time ago that was not very popular and people didn't like it because a lot of people just like these feel good slogans. We always say buy black and sell to everybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I bust you in the head with the truth. You've been selling back black and buying from everybody else. Mm, what that mean? Everybody. Meaning, didn't you just say her target audience is black? Mm-hmm. Who she buys stuff from? Mmm, black people. Mm-mm. Who she buying products from? That hair product. Oh, Chinese, Koreans. So let let me let me say it again for anybody who didn't catch it. They told you buy black and sell to everybody else. But the truth is, who she selling to? Black. And who she buying from? Korean. Oh. Mmm. I'm a thinker. You see what I'm saying? I'm a thinker. And they don't like that because we like these slogans that make us feel good until somebody hits you with the reality. So when you just say, well, why are we having that problem? That's why. Because if we were honest, then we could really address the issue. Oh, snap. What's the issue? We need some hair manufacturers. Mm, Get to the root. We need some people who make the tips. See, I talked to the girls in the nail shop community, the black girls who got really innovative and they were talking about how. The Chinese people started going up on the nail tips on them, right? When they got real popular. And I said, okay, so what's the issue? They was like, yeah, they going up. They had to maneuver and even create Chinese names and emails to get their supplies. So I said, well, what's the issue? What well, costs too much? I said, why don't 20 of y'all get together, buy it, take what you need and sell to your other uh, fellow nail techs? And keep leveling up until you can actually eliminate them because that's what everybody else does. See, that's the thing. So first you got to be honest. Like I said, that's that SWAT. You got to know your strengths. You got to be honest about your weaknesses. Then you got to think about what I just told her, your opportunity. 
You got an opportunity right now. Maybe two or three years ago, you could not have come together with a conglomerate like that. Nobody would have had heard you. But now that they feeling it, now you got the opportunity. And then you're going to say, well, what's my threat? Mm. Well, they ain't going to like how you move, sis. So now put your safeguards up. You see what I'm saying? What do you need to do to not protect your business? Right? Now, in terms of our pricing, we also struggle with internalized racism. A lot of times, it's not even necessarily the pricing. It's the idea. It's the transference of low value. If I have been internalized to believe that I don't really have that much value or like, you know, so when you you come to me, Ben, and say, well, here you go. Here's my product. It's like, who do you think he is? Who who do you think he is? This is a this is a internal mechanism of transferring that I've accepted the negative and derogatory stereotypes about our people, that we don't have value and that we don't have worth. And so when I believe that, even if I don't know I believe it, it's on a subconscious level. When I did research on internalized racism with Dr. Karen Pike, she asked people questions like, if you had heart surgery coming up, it was a black doctor, white doctor, Indian doctor, who you choosing? Mm. And white people and black people, I'm going with the Indian doctor. You see what I'm saying? I'm going with the Chinese doctor. This is, we're, we, we all do it. It's not, it's not just us. And I was fortunate enough to study internalized racism through the Asian lens, which was so helpful because a lot of times as black Americans, we feel like we're the only insecure ones in this world. We're the only ones with self-hate. We're the only ones having these issues. That's not true. Every single place that the European has colonized, trust me, he has spread internalized racism into that group of people. And they adopt the same things. Like we call ourselves Oreos. Well, you know what they call the, the Asian person who's white on the inside? Twinkie. Mm. You know what they call the Spanish person who's brown on our side, white inside? Coconut. Like everybody do it. Everybody do it. See, once we start to understand that, again, understanding why we are responding and acting in the ways that we are, it helps us now to do that. So when I teach customer service and consumer psychology to black businesses, I teach it through the lens of internalized racism because I need to let you know what you're up against. This is not just a basic customer service course. But in terms of how can we do this, how can we remedy it, what you and I have been doing for years, we took this platform and we made it do what we wanted it to do for who we wanted it to do it for. We took this platform and we have literally educated people, right, at the risk of being removed, being silenced, being cut off, being whatever. We have taken this platform. I cannot tell you how many thousands and thousands of people's lives that I have changed. And I'm not saying that on some hypothetical. I'm talking about real responses, real receipts, real testimonials, real. So this is what we, we've been doing. So we're catching up and we're we're actually accelerating this time frame for what it would normally take, you know, for us. Think about it. A hundred years has passed and we've come a long way in a hundred years. Contrary to what we see, contrary to all of the debauchery, we've still come a very long way. The fact that you even have this many black millionaires or black billionaires in this country is astonishing. So, you know, for that, we have to continue to do what we're doing. Yes, ma'am. So I just want to give y'all that background, y'all, to, to, to show y'all why she's so powerful and in the, in the information that she brings uh, to our community. So now we're going to get into what we are here for, which is the quiet quitting. But before we do that, we're going to get into uh, our commercial podcast, our podcast commercial about digital real estate. 
And then we're going to get right into quiet, uh, quiet quitting. And if y'all have any questions, make sure that you guys comment it in the comment section right now. Hey, it's your brother Ben X, and I want to tell you guys a little bit about my story because y'all see me talking about digital real estate probably all over the internet, but you probably don't know how I got here. Well, I was an All-American basketball player. I was in college. I dropped out of college, and I ended up getting some jobs. Well, my last job that I had, which is in 2016, was a FedEx job. I was working at FedEx, and one day I was sitting there, and I was thinking, if I throw a thousand more boxes on a truck next week than I did this week, Man, my paycheck going to be the exact same. But if I have my own product, my own service, and I learn how to utilize and make money from this internet that I was always on anyway, I will make more money and I will be more productive. So I began to grow online. I grew over half a billion views on Facebook. I have over 40 million views on my YouTube. I start to get a lot of traction. And so as I was growing, many people start to ask me, how did you grow your business online? How did you grow your following? How did you set up your automated systems? Well, I started to ask, answer these questions in my DM, answer them on videos and in the comments, but so many people was coming and asking, I said, well, hey, let me put together a course. So I put together a course called Digital Real Estate, showing you how you can potentially make more money online than you were trying to go get a loan from the bank and invest in real estate. Now, I'm not saying don't get into real estate, but what I am saying, it was a lot faster for me to build on digital than it was in the physical. I'm doing a webinar coming up. Click the link below. I'm doing free access just to show you guys what digital real estate is because so many people keep asking me, what is digital real estate? So click the link below and come find out. So that link wasn't below and you can't click it, but you can go to www.drecourses.com, www.drecourses.com. Now, um, that was my story. Speaking of quiet quitting, uh, I guess something similar happened. You mentioned that they was about to shut down a company, something like that, but they wasn't going to well, tell me. I, mean, I was leaving prior to that, but I've been somewhere where I walked in and I was actually going to quit the job to start my first venture, my mm-hmm. first failed venture. Thank God. I was, so I was actually like gung ho, like, Oh, I'm about to quit. It's on. And, um, the day I walked in to quit, everybody was in the parking lot and they were like, yo, they just laid everybody off. Um, mm. It was a call center for 411 and they had actually, um, they felt under, I mean, it was really a good company. Let me be straight up. This was a, a really good company where they would do stuff like if they needed you to stay overtime, they would throw you a little $50 Walmart gift card, you know, a little $50 Visa gas gift card, a little, you know what I'm saying? They really incentivized you. It was like a hundred or we'll pay you four times the hourly rate. They were a really good company. And unfortunately, so many people were committing um, the the frauding in terms of disability, you know, claiming disability that in California, they had a million dollars in payroll that they were paying out basically for people who were not even in the seats. And they just could not keep up. So they had to leave. They had to go find work that they could actually, you know, workers or a system that they could actually afford. So they wind up leaving. And then they even allowed us to stay and train the workers. And they paid us like double time for the entire time. But that was a sad story because that was a really good company, you know. Um, and I've seen, like I said, other situations. But, yeah, similar situations. Yeah. They, well, my job, it was a temp service job. And they did. They actually did let us know that uh they was gonna be laying people off and i just didn't go back the next day i was uh, i've been an entrepreneur ever since so i was glad they did let me know because i sure didn't go back the next day what i want to do i want to show a quick video real quick uh a, com- uh 
little video I saw about quiet quitting, and then we can give you commentary and talk about it from there. Let's see. And usually that person doesn't just get extremely underpaid. They're also treated really badly in the workplace. They're passed over for opportunities to get ahead. Quiet quitting, meet quiet firing, which is also sparking conversations on TikTok and beyond. Quiet firing is where employers, managers, leaders engage in conduct to motivate, encourage, or encourage employees to um, self-select out of the workplace. Employment law expert Laura Williams says quiet firing involves withholding promotions and important work in the hopes of pushing an employee out. No firing involved. A game of chicken that can lead to legal and financial consequences for a company that doesn't walk a fine line. If you are mistreating an employee and making their lives miserable within the workplace, you could be held liable for committing a constructive dismissal. Quiet quitting, which is just doing your job, nothing more, is a symptom of a workforce that feels overworked and burnt out after the roller coaster of the last two years. Some setting clear boundaries when the lines between work and home life were blurred. Economist Linda Nazareth warns managers and employers that quiet firing is a symptom of something else, too. Honestly, if you are quietly firing people, it's either bad management in that you're trying to not pay them in a layoff or you just don't want to deal with this head on. Employees have little tolerance for it now. With many workplaces still in flux, some bosses are having a hard time adjusting. You have managers who are being asked to manage hybrid and remote workforces. They weren't trained to do that. And they're also supposed to engage a workforce who may be present, maybe somewhere else, but who does not feel that they're particularly happy with things. Quiet firing can poison workplace culture. And in this competitive labor market, quiet firing can mean losing your top talent, too. After all, loud quitting has never been easier. What is loudly quitting, you wonder? Packing your belongings and leaving. You don't pay me my worth, someone else will. And Gaviola, Global News, Toronto. All right, so here we are. What's your thoughts on this situation? Okay, we need balance here. We need real, real understanding that we have things that are situational. Okay, so what I mean by that is Last, let me see, you know, you know, you've been following me for a long time. And um, initially I had my focus on entrepreneurship and sharing my journey as an entrepreneur as I was diving into it. Um, I was also educating us on things like the prison industrial complex. I post from 2014 before Black Lives Matter was a trending topic. That, this, this is what I, I do. You see what I'm saying? So this is not this is not a trend for me. This is what I was doing offline. I just brought it to the Internet. Now, Black Lives Matter took a hold of us all. Everyone's, you know, direction sort of pivoted to that. And I found myself being very drained by that conversation after a while because I'm a solutionist. And so for years, it was just about we got the attention. We, we, they're listening to us. OK, what now? What do we do now? And I found that a lot of people were just enjoying the power of complaining. And the last thing that that person wants is a solution. So I don't know if you remember, I left for a while. I said, you know what? I can't because I noticed that that was draining even our drive and our spirit. You were literally logging on and finding yourself depleted of energy after seeing black death after black death after black death down your timeline. 
And at first, I initially felt an obligation as a larger page to inform people on things that the news wasn't covering. But then I found myself feeling like I was a cog in the system. So I wanted to leave. So I left and I focused on my business. And I had a conversation with my son, as you know, who has passed. And I told my son, you know, I said, yeah, I've been on my little backup page and I've been helping people. But it's not like if I had my big page, you know, if I had my big page, I could have been promoting this guy. I could have been helping this guy. He said, go back to your page. I said, oh, man, this is toxic over there. Like, I don't like that's all they want to talk about. He said, that's what they want to talk about. This is your page. You go back and you talk about what you want to talk about. So you saw I came back. I did a little intro video. I said, I'm coming back. I'm going to do business, hyper-focus. This is it and this is all. We're not doing any more emotional draining, race bait topics, anything like that. This is what we're going to do. Now I lost 9,000 followers. Mm. This was in 2019 when I came back, April. Okay. Then um, my son passed in June. And I still maintain my stance. I said, this is what I want to focus on because I felt like when we want to talk about real power, we've had a lot of conversations, Ben. I know you've studied what's going wrong. What can we do? Is it education? Is it money? Is it this? Is it that? But the truth of the matter is America as a corporation prioritizes businesses over residents and whatever. So I felt like we need the money in our hands. And whether you want to use that for lobbying, whatever you want to do, you still need resources. So that's what I wanted. And I dedicated my time to giving us all of this. So I have been one of the major like here we can you can do it. Here's the tools. Here's what you need. Let me help you. But I did not shame people or guilt them or even want them to ride a trend of, you know, just jumping into business because I know the realities of entrepreneurship as well. So I wanted to be very responsible in that. Now, that was wonderful in 2019. That was fantastic until 2020 until 2021. And now we see 2022. So the conversation has to change because the landscape, the environment, the ecosystem has changed. So let's just get into the numbers. There are 10.75 million companies in America. There are 329 million people in America. We can't all own a company. This is a fundamental fact. This is a fact. The average Black-owned business goes out of business within 18 months. 18 months. You were right back or probably even further behind than you started. This is the reality of this, okay? We open and we close faster than anybody else. Now, in terms of the trends, according to TrendingEconomics.com, they're on schedule right now, or they probably already have the numbers, that 20,485 jobs will be cut by August. Jerome Powell just told you, told us, we need to cut jobs to correct the economy. I gave a whole video on how that happens and why that happens. But when the, 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 the chair, the Fed, tells you out of his mouth, there are going to be job cuts. I'm going to incentivize businesses to cut you by increasing their uh, interest rates and denying them ability to get low cost capital. This is real. This is a plan. This is this is a part of the plan that you're going to lose your job. OK, now the hiring announcements, when I say the economy has changed in October 2021, the hiring announcements, nine hundred thirty nine thousand. 790 hiring announcements in October 2021. June 
102,897. July, 25,506. Wow. Now, let's go into some of the layoffs. I pulled up a few that I thought would be really, really popular. So according to TechCrunch.com, there has been 251 companies have laid off people in 2020 alone, 2022 alone. These are only tech companies. There's only tech. 2022, 251 companies have already laid off people. And I thought it was some very interesting. So I gave you guys a good little mixture. Now, with this economy, you would think companies who are servicing poor people would do really well. You know, Dollar Tree and things like that, right? Historically, if we look over recessions and depressions, those are the type of companies that fare well. Companies that offer you payment plans and things like that, right? Ironically, Klarna, Sezzle, and Groupon. Klarna has laid off 650 people. Sezzle has laid off 20% of its staff. And Groupon, where you're supposed to be able to get goods for cheap, have laid off 15%. Mm. These companies should be thriving right now. Let's go with the ones that we know that are popular. Ring Central, Tesla, Coinbase. Coinbase has just laid off a thousand people. Tesla, the darling of the stock market, right? Let's go with the big boys, Microsoft. Oracle has laid off thousands. Shopify has laid off over a thousand people. This is e-commerce at a time where e-commerce took an uptick versus brick and mortar. See, we, we, we got to think like, well, what? how is that? How is that even making sense? Okay. Then you look at social media. Who would you say right now is the dominant players in social media? Probably Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, TikTok. TikTok is laying off. You know who else is a, a booming business, whether you like them or not? OnlyFans. Mm -hmm. OnlyFans is laying off people. Snapchat just laid off people. Right? And when Snapchat laid people off, you know what happened? Their stock went up. Because they just told that their investors, basically, we're going to run this thing real lean and real clean. Mm -hmm. They were rewarded by their investors for laying off. Ironic. In this time when people are looking for jobs, Career Karma has laid off a third of its staff. I wonder if they signed up for Career Karma. You know, just, you know, ironic, right? You you get fired from, just think about that. Like, how do you tell somebody, oh, I got fired from Career Karma? <laughs> okay. Robin Hood, a thousand people. Let's go with the big, big boys. Ford just laid off over 8,000 people. And they are actually moving forward with their EV plans, right? Mm. So according to Layoff Tracker, 2022 alone, there's been 76,677 layoffs. Wow. All right? Now, I'm hearing all of this. We don't need those jobs. Somebody else will pay us. We have options. Oh, my. We ain't our ancestors. <laughs> I love that. We ain't our ancestors. You can't treat us any kind of way. We got money. We got plans. We got this. Well, I'm like, okay, so y'all got it all together because we all trying to figure this out. I mean, y'all can quit your job. Like, damn, y'all must got it together. But the math ain't mathing. How you got it all together when your American credit card debt is $841 billion and rising right now? Right now, there's a record-breaking delinquency for utility bills. First time ever in America, 2 million people are behind and facing shutoffs. 3.8 million people, census data, are facing eviction in the next two months. 8.5 million are behind in their August rent. 
35% of small businesses did not pay their August rent. So if you got all this money, I'm just trying to figure out why the bills ain't being paid. Why the rent ain't being paid. Why the mortgage ain't being paid. What's going on? See, there's some narratives that's being pushed that ain't matching up. The math ain't mathing. It ain't matching up with reality. And what I want people to strongly consider is I want you to look at the big picture. Because what we have a tendency to do is just take our perspective and just look at it. I've been an employee. I worked at a dog-ass job. I worked at a job that when I tell you this man did not want to spend a dime, he had these old computers with the black screen and the orange letters. We had to write our, 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 our notes by hand. We had to write our notes by hand, the, the orders. I went through a jail pen every three days. My handwriting is still crap to this day. And I had literally was about to be pre-carpal tunnel. And then he had us go outside and dig through the boxes for record keeping because it was a fire hazard. And he had been cited. We had to go through these boxes that were out in the elements in the rain for 10 years. Mold, mildew. I contacted Channel 2, Ocean, everybody like, hey, 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 this can't be right. This can't be right. Right? So when I tell you, it's not that I don't understand being forced into very harsh working conditions because I absolutely and fundamentally do. Right? But you know what I did? I didn't leave that job till I had another one. They had a baby, two, husband, life, responsibilities. Now, I had not positioned myself for better opportunities because at that time, I was a high school dropout. So all of this, you know, your worth and all of that, you can know your worth, but that business owner is still entitled to decide if that's what he wants to pay for. So when I talk about the landscape is changing right now, we are in a recession we are headed for a depression. I don't know if people are paying attention to the UK. These people cannot even heat their homes. They cannot. So I'm looking at the reality. And as you know, when black, when America catches a cold, black people catch pneumonia. Mm. When you look at the Great Depression, a lot of people, that was 10 years of pain. But you know who was hardest hit in the Great Depression? Black people. Black people. We were the ones that they let go. We were the ones that couldn't get the jobs. We were the ones who suffered and struggled and endured the most during the Great Depression. So why do I take my position? Why? I'm going to tell you why. If you have a person right now, Ben, you've been here for the last few years. If somebody is just now thinking about starting a business, let's be real, Ben. Because I'm going to tell you, I deal with entrepreneurs. I don't know what the rest of y'all do. I deal with, that's all I deal with, thousands and do you know how many people I've talked to that have not started the business? They have failed the business. They, they slacking. They this, they that. So I'm going to be real with you. Everybody do not need to be running out there right now. You could have tried it when you had an environment that could sustain you, that you could actually take a little L on, you know what I mean? Jump back in. But right now is not the time. I am not anti Quiet quitting, like in terms of, no, you don't let anyone exploit you to the point of damage. But this is what I'm trying to tell people is that you got to really prioritize this. You got somebody gassing you up. And all I hear is my mental health, my mental health. Well, tell me how your physical health going to be when your ass is homeless trying to keep that motherfucker off of you under a bridge. Mm. Tell me how your mental health is going to hold up to your hunger, to your homelessness, to your child not being able to eat. See, this is... We live in a very bubble wrap world lately. We got people that ain't never really felt the sting of real homeless. I have been very poor, very poor. 
So I know what it's like. And now when you look at it, what the people are not understanding who are going to be in need, we out of money right now. But they, they, if given all the stimulus, all of this is backlogged. You know what I'm saying? Like all of these people who need help, you got to understand that help is not going to be there for you. You know, when I, I, I put a post up and I showed that some of these companies, you know, when they talk about don't be productive, don't be productive. There's companies that are actually tracking your productivity with the computer that they gave you. You know, the equipment, they're calculating your keystrokes. They're seeing what that mouse is doing. They, you know, they, they watch it. Somebody said, this is just too invasive. I, I would quit. I said, well, you know who else is invasive? Wait till you meet your social worker. Wait till you meet your caseworker. She's going to be invasive as hell. See, I just, I just don't, when people, it's like when he says somebody else will pay me at the end, who, who that somebody else? You, you, you're talking hypotheticals. You're talking theoreticals. I'm seeing white people who done left their job, $400,000 tech job, and got fired upon arrival. We seeing people being fired on training. We seeing job orders being rescinded. So who is gassing you up for this? And we got to be very, very careful on what we take in. Because now think about it. We all know that people have been slacking at work. That ain't new. The study had been out. On average, eight hours, people ain't doing nothing before and a half damn hours of work. We've we, we, we been knowing that. We need you to tell us that. But who decided to make it a trending topic? Mm. Who decided to put it out there in the articles and the news and really encourage people? Did y'all not learn from Cambridge Analytica? Did y'all did y'all not learn that these companies, there are people behind these machines that know how to actually push a narrative out there for you? You gotta really think who stands to benefit from you being non-productive. Who in the hell would tell you to become non-productive in the mass time of layoffs? That just don't make no damn sense to me. I'm just trying to figure it out. Mm. This is not the time. So for me, it's not even about encouraging anybody to take abuse, but I want people to be balanced. When you say, here's my job. I don't have to take this. There's something better, but I need you to think about that something worse too. Well, see, what's that worst thing that could happen? I was raised to always not just think about the best case scenario, but the worst case scenario. Homelessness is up. Do y'all not understand how many people did not pay their mortgage for the last two years and their rent for the last two years? So do you know these homeless shelters are about to be flooded? Do you understand what you're about to be up against when you want to just throw, just jump on out there right now? And this is going to happen real fast. This is going to be the next two, three months. You're going to see a whole different conversation piece going on. In Ukraine, they just laughed at Trump. Remember when Trump told them, y'all are going to struggle with your Russian dependency on electricity? That is a famous clip. They laughed at Trump. They laughing now? Hmm. They, 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 they shop owners are facing $9,000 electric bills. They out there chopping damn wood. He done sent their ass back to the dark ages. Are they laughing now? Oh, that's a good brother Drake said. Thought you had it all figured out back then, but how about now? And it will happen that fast. I remember in 2008, I was one of the people who was foreclosed. My ex-husband was one of the people, worked, was in the military. He was in the military for 12 years good record, got out on a medical discharge. I remember like yesterday, we had a little $18,000 severance package coming, right? So he got out. 
It was Christmas. We didn't have the money. I was in school at the time. So we was like, man, we ain't going to pay the mortgage. We're just going to let that thing slide. We'll pay it because we used to be amongst the people who always got a refund. If y'all know how income tax refunds work, you can usually get that rapid refund, right? With H&R Blocks, so you get that money in like one, two days. We always got the money like that. So we had a plan. The military gets their W-2s pretty much before anybody. So our plan was we're going to ball out for Christmas. When the little refund come in January, you know what I'm saying? We'll be a little 30 days behind or whatever, maybe 60, but we'll just pay it and it'll go away. Well, no, what we didn't know was that if you go over $9,999, you can't do the rapid refund. They were like, oh, no, you got to wait the standard six-week process. So what had happened was we went into foreclosure on Wednesday. We got the check on Friday. We called Wells Fargo. They said we can't do nothing for you. So I already started the process. We were like, we got the whole thing, though. Well, we got the whole thing. This is when it first started. They were irrespons- They were not responsive. They were not working with us. They were not bending. I also remember my ex-husband was looking over jobs. And he was like, nah, I don't really want that. Nah, I don't really want that. And in a couple of months, he was looking and begging for anything. He wound up going to work at a warehouse and having to drive 70 miles and was happy to get that job. Mm. This all changed in the matter of five to six months. The reality went from everything was fine. We was cool. We wasn't behind. We was, everything was good till we were in foreclosure. He was damn near underemployed or unemployed working a dog job. And then we foreclosed. So I know how fast this can change. Your reality can change. And that is the perspective that I'm speaking from. I am not saying don't pursue your business. I'm saying don't leave your damn job to do it right now. You got big corporations who've been doing this for years, baby, that's going out of business. You got real good companies. Who, I'm telling you because I know big dogs and I know little dogs, and they all struggling right now. I can promise you that. Ben, are you seeing a slump in sales? Let's be honest with the people. Yeah, we saw. Yeah, we started seeing slump in sales about a year ago. I'm just saying, people, listen to me. Listen to me. I have a mall. Do you know how many waivers I've had to give out for rent for my tenants? Because they're seeing the slump in sales in my black virtual mall. Mm. I'm t- I'm be- I'm, see, I'm telling y'all the truth. I'm not sitting here selling you on some, you know, oh, this, you know. No, I, I, I'm being real, real with you right now. I'm being real transparent with you right now. This ain't the time, baby. This ain't the time. You see what I'm saying? We just don't have the luxury for that. Not now. Right now, I don't know if y'all really understand the level of desperations or if you have been students of history, but I want to give you an understanding on the Great Depression and how it mirrors today. In 1920s, we were in a time of opulence, the roaring 20s. It was wonderful, right? Okay, cool. Well, a lot of people had money. And a lot of the regular average everyday Joes, they wanted to get into the real estate. They wanted to get into the stock market game like the big dogs. You know what I mean? They had money. They wanted, well, you know, I, want, I want a piece of that. So they started getting into the stock market. Banks were even loaning you money to get into the stock market at that time. So these retail investors were in it. Now, when these big dogs saw, look behind and you see somebody shadowing your every move. You make an investment, he make an investment. Because he don't know what he's doing, right? So he like, well, Ben, hey, hey. Ben, ben invested over there. Let's go over there, right? He did that. They following like how we follow Warren Buffett. Okay, cool. So that was right for manipulation, yes or no? If I know you're going to move when I say move and you're going to go here when I say go here, oh, snap. 
So what happened was market manipulation, rug pulls, pump and dumps. The same things y'all send in these NFTs and these coins and these cryptos. That is what happened in the stock market, pump and dumps. But the difference is they didn't have a phone to wake up and make a move. No, 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 no. What no live, you know, broadcast. You had to actually go down to the thing and see the ticker tape and the number. So you woke up broke. When that happened, all those people got real nervous. They ran down to the bank because you couldn't just transfer money, money on your phone. You go down to the bank. What you going to tell the bank? I need my money now. The bank fractional reserve. They only have to have 10%. Mm. They don't have all the cash. The president drug his feet to respond. He didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. But what happened when all these people outside the bank can't get that money? That made everybody else nervous. It's just watching it. Like, yo, what's going right now? If y'all saw a, a, a thousand people in front of Wells Fargo talking about they can't get their money, watch what happens. Everybody ran. Like, no, 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 no. Get your money, get your money, get your money. They start grabbing their money out the bank. They start putting their money under their mattress. And then, because at that time, it was popping. All these businesses was popping. They was like, oh, yeah, it's popping. And then they looked up, and it was a crash. And they was like, oh, shit. They got all this inventory. What just happened at Walmart and Target? Target sales just slumped 90%. Mm. 90% because of the discounts that they just had to have for all of that over inventory. So the businesses slumped. Because they have to start moving that inventory and offer discounts. What you think gonna happen when them businesses run out of uh, profit? They gotta start laying off. Ooh, okay. Then they start laying off people. And what happened when them people start getting laid off and they get nervous now because they looking around, they laid off, they ain't got no money, and they looking up, and they like shit. Ben got laid off too. Shit, what else happened? No, another got laid off. Oh shit! You ain't gonna spend, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't spend with the businesses, what's gonna happen? They gonna start laying off. And then it's going to go here and there and there and down. It's an economic death spiral to the bottom. Without a financial injection, you can't stop it. How are you going to stop it? You don't spend, he don't make money. He don't make money, he lay off. He lay off, you don't spend, it just keeps going. This is where we are. Y'all not seeing where we are on this thing? On the trade- You're not seeing it? So that's where we are right now. And there is no more stimmy to throw in. There is no more injection. And the more financial injection that they put in, I know a lot of us, I didn't take economics. I learned this shit as a grown up. So don't feel bad if you like, I don't understand. What the fuck do you mean that if you give us money, that's going to make it worse? Because he makes you spend. And what happens is when we started spending, sorry, am I too bright? I see the light. I don't know what happened. Yeah, they done done hit you. uh, There it is. Okay. When we spend a lot of money, we create demand. This is the easy way to explain it. When I have a lot of money, if all of us are trying to buy a house and there's five houses and there's 10 of us and all of a sudden we have way more money or some of us have way more money, we're going to start a bidding war for that house. The price of that house is going to go up. That is inflation, so to speak. Right. And that's what you've seen. Used cars went up. Houses went up. Everything went up, 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 up. And now we can't afford it because that was not real money. That was STEMI money. That wasn't real money. So now that we're back regulating, right, to your regular wages and your regular stuff, but the price of everything is still up. So we got to bring that down. You see what I'm saying? And so these are some of the levers that they use, which is interest rate. If they make that high, then people don't borrow as much. And such. It's, it's Trust me, 
kind of complicated, but kind of simple. So basically, that is where we are right now, people. This is where we are on this wheel. So now, with that being said, you got to understand, fundamentally, this depression lasted for 10 years. The only thing that got us out of the depression was World War II. Because then the government needed goods and services. They fired up those old ass dilapidated warehouses and they had to send people back to work. You know how many men went and signed up for the military, not because they were patriots, but because they was dead ass broke. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I want you guys to really understand the level of desperation. And I share this story because a lot of people don't know about it. Have you ever heard of the dance marathons that happened during the Great Depression? No. no man. During the Great Depression, there were... Dance marathons. They started before the Great Depression, but they got really, really popular during the Great Depression. In the dance marathons, you get a couple. They get a little number on their back, you know, like a little runner's marathon or whatever. And then you dance. You know, it's going to dance and whoever could last man standing gets the prize. Okay. So they would feed you three times a day. You got somewhere to sleep and you got four snacks. Now, you had to keep dancing all the time. So even when you were shaving, you had to dance. When you were eating, you had to be, you know, still moving, right? You did get to sleep, but for the most part, you had to be moving. And then the prize would be relative to today about ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. That was a lot of money during it, right? Okay. Now, one partner could be sleep, but one had to be woke. So they were literally holding people up, sleeping, right? Holding a little partner, they would take naps. Now, as long as you keep moving. So Ben, given that, that, picture that I just painted for you. How long do you think some of those dance um, those dance marathons lasted? Years? No, no, I'm talking about a contest, like the contest. Oh, um, probably not that long. About how long? Uh, a couple of hours. A couple of hours? You think people couldn't like dance and party for more than a couple of hours, man? Eat, go back, dance. Uh, so I get, I'm guessing days. I mean, I'm just thinking about now today. Most how long people, we gonna party? Most people gonna say 24 hours because you're in it for a marathon. You know what I mean? So most people are like I get about 24, 72 hours. They lasted five months. Oh wow! Four months, three months, two months. And this is without stopping. So I'm thinking like you can get a break. Yes, and you can, that's why I say years at first. You go, to sleep. you go to sleep. You wake up and you're back at it again. Okay. But even in between that. Yeah. Right. Do you know why? People weren't dancing for the prize. They were dancing because they had nowhere to live and they had no food. Mm. They were dancing for the three meals a day and the bed and the shower. I want you to understand the level of desperation. Y'all think Hunger Games is a, is a joke? You think that elite people don't enjoy watching you dance? Just, I mean, how long can they go? <laughs> this is really interesting. Then rich people started sponsoring them. They would get a little jacket and they would have like benx.com on the back of the jacket. They would get them new shoes and little treats. I want y'all to understand what you're up against. Do you understand? This is This is not... You have to be a student of history to really understand what is going on. So when I say do not leave your black ass got a job, stay there 
for as long as you can. Let me tell you what I would do right now. As a business owner, Ben, if you had a guy who came in, he clocked in from eight to five. He said, peace out, Brent. He ain't no problem. He never gave you no problem. He do his work. And then I came in, Ben, from eight to five. And I'm looking over some of the things that are in my cost control. And I'm like, hey, Ben, you know what? I was looking at a new app that I found. And uh, that other app, you know, I've been using, you got me using. That one's 200 a month. And I, I found one for 49, Ben. I, I, think, I think we should go with this uh, for 49, Ben. Oh, Ben, you know, I, I also found that there's a platform that'll promote you for free. Ben, they, they got some content up. They said you put your little content up there. It's the mall. And they said you can just put it in the movie theater and they'll promote you for free, Ben. Oh, um, also, I noticed that, you know, things was really slow right here around right now. Uh, you know, I'm going to head on leave for about an hour right now. And, and, and then today I noticed we were super, super busy and I know that things been tight, Ben. So if you don't mind, you know, I'll stay, I'll stay for another, you know, 30, 30, 40 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Don't even worry about it. We're going to get it together till we get up on our feet. Who you keeping, Ben? That one who offered those solutions made things a little bit more easier. Think about the fact that people are telling other people, this is their advice. Go there, just do what the fuck you got to do and go. At a time when they're laying people off. How does that, like, am I tripping? Like, how is that even, how is that common sense? Right now is the time we should be putting both fucking feet in the game. Right now was the time for you to really be rolling up your sleeves like, yo, I I would be reading the room like, yo, I'm seeing customers. Is, is, man, listen, we used to call it looking busy, but you know when the manager walk in, your ass get the scrub and the shit, and you look like you're doing something. These people don't even want to look like they're doing nothing. This is insane. We at least had common enough sense to do that. So I'm just saying be commonsensical because in a minute, Right now, 2 million people are behind in their utility bills. Utility bills are already going up, baby. And when you get that thing cut off and you got to pay that uh, reconnect fee and now they want to deposit. See, I've been there. I didn't put the damn bill in my mama's name. I remember I called their ass and said, uh, so if, if, if I move today and a person wants to move in tomorrow, would they be able to get the, the water on? Yeah, yeah. Not a problem. Call back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm moving out. I like to cut my water off. Call back five minutes later. Hello, I'm such and such. I'd like to uh, cut the water off. I've been there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if people are really understanding what is coming down the pipeline. But this is not a drill. This is not fear mongering. This is real. And they're telling you. It's not as if I, they're telling you we're wonderful and we're fine. They are literally telling you. So I just don't know what lane, I don't know what dose of denial these motherfuckers is on. But they need to lower the dosage and, and get with the reality. That's all I'm saying. You see what I'm saying? You got to wait. And it's gonna, this is going to go on. How long was the recession? The 2008. You see what I'm saying? Like, do y'all not remember when people as adults with degrees were taking the jobs from the kids at the damn movie theaters and McDonald's and shit like that around 2008, 2009. Y'all don't remember that? Hmm. Well, well, how you going to do that when Judy Jetson is serving the goddamn cocktails at the restaurant now? See, y'all didn't let these people talk your asses up out of a job. You got the robots taking your job. You got automation. I ain't seen Who's nobody seen? in Walmart line in about five years. <laughs> Seems like, shoot. That's why I had to put on Beyonce. See, y'all putting on the wrong Beyonce song. 
Y'all putting on some song about you won't break my soul. I'm leaving this job. You need to be putting on irreplaceable. Mm. Don't you ever for a second get to thinking you irreplaceable. Did America not show you that they will very easily replace the slave labor class? Hmm? They're going to find a backup of resources or something. You may stall that business for a minute, but anyone is going to survive that is resourceful. I had to be real with my graphic designer. I said, let me explain something to you real quick. And I want y'all to know if y'all are graphic designers. There's a website I can go to right now and hire a graphic designer in the Philippines with a master's degree who will also do social media marketing, knows her way up and through WordPress, anything that I need, website build, graphics, all of that. She will work for $450 a month and give me 20 hours a week. So you think you won't break, I won't break your soul, should you won't break my pocket. Mm. You don't think I have options? You don't know how many programs and automation and all these things. And then what you think is going to happen when people get desperate? The price is going to go down. What's happening to the houses right now? Is the price going down? Price going down. Price going down. Thousands have been laid off in the mortgage industry. Price going down 50%. Price going down. But when you had all of us at your whim, yeah, you could price gouge us. So when people be talking about, you know, you want $25 an hour, you want $25 minimum wage, and y'all keep talking about these companies, these companies. Do you understand that 95% of the businesses in America are technically listed as small businesses? I don't know who y'all think y'all hurting. Now, if you want to take it to the big dog and stick it to the man, you're going to lose that fight. And I'm going to tell you why it's a lose-lose. Let's just suppose some employees decide, we want $25 an hour. And the guy says, okay, I'll give it to you. Now he's broke and he shudders and he goes out of business. You got the 25, but did you win? Let's suppose he says, no, forget you. He finds other work, other workers. You don't get the job. Because what happens is you guys got to look at if these businesses go out of business, what happens to my city? What happens to my city? My city becomes Detroit. My city becomes Baltimore. You got like, who is really gassing you up to be so anti-work? I'm not talking about, and I'm not championing or standing for anyone who abuses any employees. You get what I'm saying? Like, I've never done that. I don't even know why anybody would convolute my message in that way. But I'm just talking about regular, the people that I work with, the business owners that I talk to that can't find people to come work, that have these employees wanting to overcharge them, the small dude who can't afford it, the brother Ben X, you see what I'm saying? It's like, you want what? Like, bro, I can't, you know what I mean? Or he ain't showing up, he ain't working. That's who I'm talking about. I'm not talking about your Oracles. I'm not talking about your IBMs and your AT&Ts and all of that. But at the end of the day, baby, they still serve a function. Do you know how many people, Amazon employees, yeah, he don't pay no taxes, but baby, do you know how many people have a wage and an income because of these large corporations? Now, I'm not saying you got to love them, but I'm just saying be realistic. These are where you get your checks from that feed your babies, to take care of your rent. These are where you get your goods from. These are where you get your services from. So I'm just asking people to take a bigger and broader look and then really question when you see something coming out of TikTok, people, listen to me. 
The TikTok that we see here in America is not the TikTok that they show in China. The debauchery that our children witness on TikTok is not what they show in China. And why would you be so quick to take in information from someone and a source who you know is vehemently invested in your downfall? They will use you. They will use you. You ever seen two toxic parents and one fire that child up and put a battery in their back and send them over there after that other parent? You ever seen that? Send them over there making other parents' life hard as shit, right? Send them over there. They will use you. You may not like that other parent. He may not be perfect. You see what I'm saying? But you still got food, shelter. You see what I'm saying? Shit like that. But that other parent, that little weekend parent, right? That little Disneyland parent, they gas that baby up. You see what I'm saying? And next thing you know, they got what they wanted. Checkmate. That's all I'm saying. Don't be nobody fooled. Before we move on to the next piece, I w- you mentioned the Rothschilds and uh, the Rothschilds. No, no. And, uh, I didn't. You didn't? In the no. beginning? Oh, you said Rockefeller. Rockefeller. Yeah. Okay, so but that made me think of, okay, I got I thought about the Rothschilds uh, mm-hmm. when the minister was talking about how they were sending us to war uh, Years ago, decades ago, and the minister had broke down crying as he was explaining this and how we was being fooled uh, by the situation. So I wanted to uh, I wanted to play that clip real quick because I know that clip has went viral several times. I want to get your thoughts on it just to break down the mindset of what could be going on. Not the nationality of a Jew, but Jew in terms of belief in God and a follower of divine revelation. But was Mr. Rothschild a moral man? Here's a man that had five sons, and he sent his five sons into five countries. One son went to England, one son to France, one to Austria, one to Italy, and another remained in Germany with the father. And from these sons, And the money that these sons had, they worked and maneuvered and manipulated until they gained control of the central banks of England, France, Austria, Italy, and Germany. The control of these central banks went into the hands of individuals whose interests were not necessarily in harmony with the best interests of that nation. These privately owned central banks became the printer of the money and the extenders of credit of that particular nation. Government and politics in Europe was always controlled by the money interests. Wars were fought. And in order to fight a war, governments had to borrow money. They borrowed money from these central banks. The central banks waxed rich because they loaned money and charged interest. Then took over when one side prevails against the other. And when governments could not satisfy the indebtedness, then some of the natural wealth of that country flowed to the bankers. They would loan money to both sides in the conflict. Because they really didn't care who won or who lost. 
for centuries there has been big money to be made by international bankers in financing governments and kings. Such operators, however, are faced with certain thorny problems. We know that smaller banks operate to protect themselves by taking collateral. But what kind of collateral can you get from a government or a king? The process through which one collects a debt from a government or a monarch is not a subject taught in the business schools of the universities. And most of us, never having been in the business of financing kings or governments, have not given the problem much thought. But there's a king financing business. Like a business, no government can borrow big money unless that government is willing to surrender to the creditor some of its sovereignty. I mean, it's hurtful, but a Jew, Rothschild, loaned money to Adolf Hitler. God damn it, you better not open your mouth to call me no anti-Semite. The war in Europe started in 1914. And by 1917, under a lie about the Lusitania being sunk by German subs, the American people were called into a war to end all wars. You can't believe how wicked these people are to play games with your lives and the lives of your babies. Create a war just to get more money, to charge more interest, and send your babies to die for bullshit. And the American people went to war in 1917. And black people sued to become a part of the war. Because we didn't want to be left out of America. So America signed us up to fight the war. And black men die, but they don't know what the hell they were dying for. And neither did the white ones know what they were dying for. But the man of sin gotta be revealed. I don't have no fear of those bastards. I wanna expose more. They don't know what the hell they were dying for. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know what the hell they were dying. Woo. So it's like, you know, just, just we need the bombs to drop. I mean, you know, poof, you know what I mean? You just like, like, listen, when I tell you, when we talk about a plan and this is what I want people to understand, they are knee jerking to a well laid plan. These psychologists, these forecasters, they know us. They have done the litmus test. They know how we're going to respond. They know literally 
Cambridge Analytica has gone in and changed the entire election, not by rigging the voting systems, but by rigging the minds of the people. They know us. So at the end of the day, when we're looking up to try to figure out, well, what this is, this is not momentary, baby. This has been a plan laid down. You know, when I brought up, not to even go off topic, but when I brought up the situation with the PPP, the responses that I got were so disheartening. Ben X, I'm trying to figure out how did we just come out of the crack era with all the evidence? You got a whole TV show, Snowfall. This is not a theory. This is not a tenfold hat. This is not a conspiracy. This is not, well, did they or maybe, no, this is a fact. This is a fact that we know. How do we come out of seeing that plan and then jump right into another one? Right? Because when you think about it, at the end of the day, these were the responses when I told people, this PPP is, this is for a reason. America has to replenish its slave labor class. I know a lot of y'all ain't paying attention to what's going on in China, but baby, you got to. China is the world's workhorse. And they are lying flat and letting it rot. They are done. They are exhausted. Okay? It's over. And everybody that we use for exploitive labor, we empower. Because eventually they make money. You see what I'm saying? And they and they get into power. This is why Indian costs and the labor costs more right now than Filipino costs and the labor. Right? But it was real super cheap. We have to understand that America was built on a slave-based system. It is called a mud seal and they will replenish it and they have to replace it. We, we cannot make it. The middle class as a concept was a theory come, that came out of America. It has never existed in history before and it does not work. It is not sustainable. So someone has decided that we need to reset the program. Mm. When you think about it, even a crack era, when you go back to Nixon and you realize that he literally created the DEA in what, 1978, he said vocally, I'm going against those who are anti-war and those who are black. And he said, I could vilify them in the news night after night. And then you look at the plan and then they tell me stuff like, well, no, they can't, they ain't going to go after all of us. And then I show them, okay, they're going after people with $15,000. They're going after people with $20,000. They're not going to really give you that much time. Well, here's the difference. Once they put it into your bank account, it became wire fraud. When it became wire fraud, that carries a, a, a maximum of 20 years. And each case carries $250,000 fine. But when you commit wire fraud with national relief funds, It goes to 30 years and the fine is now a million dollars and the way that they present you in front of the judge changes. So when you're in front for your indictment, it's this man chose to defraud the government, the United States taxpayer at the worst economic crisis during the pandemic and to take money that was intended for small business. Like you are the scum of the earth right now. You're akin to people who stole money for Katrina relief right now. That's what they're going to position you as. Then when I told them, this is what they're going to do. Well, they, they don't have the money. They ain't got time. Okay, they just extended it for 10 years. They don't have the manpower. They just dropped 80 billion. They got 87,000 agents now. 
They both will be fulfilled by 2030, 2031. This is the, you're going to see people going to jail in 2030 for what they did in 2020. Then they said, well, they ain't got that many prisons. And here's a fact, and y'all can look it up. Between 1990 and 2005, there was a prison built on average every 10 days. Mm. For 15 years, on average, there was a prison built every 10 days. That's not including the prisons that they already have under construction. That's not including the fact that right now they're building four prisons right here in New York for each borough. That's not including the fact that some of these states have taken their excess COVID relief money like Alabama and they're building two mega prisons, not super mega prisons right now. Like, I don't think that these people really understand being what they are up against. When he just broke that down, y'all, y'all don't understand the lengths that these people will go through to maintain power in a slave labor class. America needed a slave labor class, but we got spoiled rotten people over here of all colors, right? And America says, hey, we got to get y'all back on the manufacturing and back in these farms and stuff because, you know, we just ain't got nowhere to get it built. America's going to say, um, I'm not doing that. Like, I have a whole bachelor's. I have a master's degree. Like, I'm not doing that, right? Okay, well, how much are you going to pay? No, I'm going to need $25. I'm going to need $50. I can't do that. You know how you adjust that attitude? Let me tell you how. It's something I did with my daughter. You know, I don't give them a set allowance. They would earn money. So I needed my daughter to fold my laundry for me. But she was 12 at the time, right? Bree, can you fold these clothes for me? She said, well, how much are you going to pay? I was like, damn. Okay, I'll give, I, I give, I give you $50. I was desperate. I had a lot of clothes. She said, mm, no, I'll pass. Oh, what, what, what you mean you're going to pass? She said, I already got like 300 or something in my account. I'm not really spending anything. I don't need it. You know what I thought? I got to break this little. I'm going to break her ass. I got to figure out a way to find her. I got to get a way to get her off of some of her resources because I need her desperate for money. This is what they do. So you know what they did? I want y'all to just take this real commonsensical approach to it. How would you adjust that attitude? How would you correct that I don't need this. I have a degree. You got need more money than this because I have options. I can go get here and get a job. I can go here. I can go to Target. I can go to Am- You take away the jobs. You take away the jobs. Look at what happened in the pandemic, people. What's the first thing they did? They took you from your job and then they killed your job. They made you stay indoors. They told you it was two weeks. Then you stayed indoors and you know what you did? You didn't buy. You didn't shop. You didn't do anything. Do you know what happened to those business owners? They Mm. still have mortgages and rent to pay. They still have bills. They still have overhead. They had inventory that rotted, that went bad, that was lost. And then you know what the government did for shit and giggles? Business owners was like, bruh, well, what's up? You you, you handing out all this uh, uh, stimmy money and shit. Like, hey, 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 hey. Because, you know, usually, don't they get the businesses the money first, Ben? Don't they get the banks the money? Who they gave the money to first this time? People. People. People went, oh, they shot, they spent. The businesses was like, bruh, I mean, what's up? The landlords was like, bruh, what's good? You you told me, uh, you told the people they can't, I can't put them out. Like, a, mm-hmm. 
That help came and it was delayed. And then it came with strings attached and it came with contingencies. Oh, business owner, no problem. We got you. Okay, okay, you got me. Yeah. So we're gonna give you a PPP loan. We're gonna give you a hundred thousand. Uh 25% of that is definitely, you know, a loan. But we'll give you the other 75000 as a grant, but you have to use it for payroll. Payroll. Okay, cool. No problem. Business owner took that money. Y'all know he didn't spend that twenty five just on the business. He had to dabble in because he was, what, about three, three, six months, four months behind on his rent, his mortgage. You know what I'm saying? So he didn't dabble into some of that 75000 He didn't dabble in. Then he called you on the phone. Hey, hey, Ben, what's up? How you doing? I'm good. All right, Ben, you come back to work. I got some money for you. Huh? Ben was like, come back to work. Yeah. I, I ain't coming out. Why? They got that COVID out there. I ain't coming out there. No, nah, Ben, no, nah, bro. Look, it's cool. You know what I'm saying? I, I got the mask up. I got the sanitizer. I put all the little guards up. It's good. Well, Ben's sitting over there with extra money for unemployment. More money than he was making before. Mm. Ben said, mm, I'm going to have to pass, bro. I'm good right now. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm good. You remember the employers were calling and reporting employees because they were like, they were, they were calling on the unemployment and his ass ain't reporting to work. He ain't working boss. He was selling on your ass because you put him in a bind. Now he got that money. He need payroll. He need his business open, but you didn't come back to work. Now he's struggling. He got this loan. He on the hook. And guess what he doing now? He dabbling in the more than 75. He dabbling in the more than 75. Cause they said, Take the money. The company's going to open in uh, a company country. It's going to open in July. Open, close. Mm. But he still got that loan money, right? Open, close. Next thing you know, roll it all the way around. And they put out a narrative and said, the businesses can't find workers because they couldn't, right? So then the next year when they cut the unemployment off and you came back to work, you were still sitting probably on a little PPP change or something. And you was like, well, I'll come back, but I heard y'all can't find nobody supply and demand. Like, yeah, Ben, you know, I, 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 I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on barely. We still here. You know what I'm saying? You was like, mm, I'm going to need 25 an hour, though, for me mm. to come back. Y'all not seeing this setup, right? Remember I told you about that toxic parent? Mm. And send that badass kid over there to fuck with that other parent? So now you seeing the play. Now you like, damn, the business owner like, man, come on. So you know what some of the business owners did? They closed. Because remember I told you, they taking away your jobs. But they gassed you up to do it. So now you over here with an overinflated sense of self-worth talking about, mm, you won't break my soul. You know what I'm saying? Besides that, they sent you home for two years. They knew the rust was going to set in your ass. They knew you was going to be a different creature when you came out of that cocoon. They knew that when you got your ass behind that car and did that commute, it was going to feel different. They knew you was going to be like, oh, God, just, uh, I've been in my pajamas and shit. You're like, oh, it's so much. You, 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 can't, you ain't even physically the same being. Wow. They knew that. You think those psychologists don't know that? They know that. This is all a well-laid plan. So now you back at work. Your fucking clothes is itching and shit. You like, I'm tired. Fuck, I need a nap. I, I was used to being at home. I was comfortable. I was, this is just a stressful environment. And now somebody told you, man, fuck them. But I would just quit quietly if I were you. Like, I wouldn't take that shit. Who's gassing you up? Mm. To do what? 
self-sabotage. Someone has convinced these prisoners to burn their mattresses. At the end of the day, you're going to lose that job. You're going to put him out of business or he's going to pivot. He's going to automate. He's going to replace your punk ass with a robot. He going to go over there and get the Philippine workers. He going to remote. He learned he learned he can work his country remotely. Most of us any damn way. That's what COVID taught us. Right. He going to work his shit remotely. He's going to either replace you or he's going to die. But either way, you lose. Where's how do you win? You want more money at a time when no one's spending. Make it make sense. See, I'm I'm looking at that brilliant man that just spoke, just laid out and showed you a plan that they don't lose. They don't lose. And that may go over a lot of people's head. It may sound very complicated what he was talking about. So I'm gonna break it to you in basic nigga terms. Y'all remember the war, the cola and the uncola? Y'all may not. I may be dating myself. But there was a point in time when 7-Up came out. And 7-Up was like, we're the uncola. And they started this beef with colas. And we was all like, 7-Up, Coke. Till you realize they owned by the same motherfucker. Mm. You know a lot of these rap beefs? Then you realize they owned by the same parent company. Please understand that people are going to create waves so that it's a no loss for them. I'm going to give y'all a free hack. I'm going to give y'all a free hack. You hear about affiliate programs, right? Just, just so y'all can take this in terms of business terms. You know how you go online and you may type in, give me a subject matter, like the top five, something you will search for being like the top five. Top five ways to lose weight. Okay, cool. Right? Top five weight loss pills. And you type that in and you typically going to get a lot of blogs and you're going to read those blogs and the bloggers are going to be like, hey, I'm Nancy, weight loss guru, whatever. And I'm just going to go over the top 10 diet pills. You know what I mean? Woo, woo, woo. So you really feel comfortable because she's not pushing one pill. She's just going to analyze all of the pills. Right. Cool. So then she break it down to you. She go over pill number one. She's going to tell you the pros and the cons. She's going to tell you a little bit about it. And then she's going to tell you where to get it. It's going to be a hyperlink. And she's going to do that for 10. And then once you do those reviews, because she didn't did the work for you, you're like, yo, I'm going with pill number two. You click that link. But what you didn't know was that Nancy got an affiliate link for all 10 of them damn pills. Mm. Do you understand? Don't matter where you click, Nancy comes up. Then what do you do when you find out that you go on the Google list and page one, two, and three of the search results all look very different, but all of those websites are owned by Nancy. See, that's, that's the level of shit you're dealing with when you're thinking you actually making choices for yourself. they programming you. Well, all of a sudden, it's this quiet, you know, oh, quiet quitting. Uh. 2019, did you hear a whole lot of people just being super disgruntled about their jobs, Ben? Really? You had some work pains, but for the most part, right, people got up, they was going to work. You know what I'm saying? It, it, was, just, it was just a regular thing. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, it's just like, my mental health. I just, I, okay. Who's gassing you up? Who's sending you on this dummy mission? Do you understand? What toxic parent is over there gassing your little ass up to go over there and fuck with the other parent? And why? 
So let me uh let me let me ask you this. So we heard the minister breaking down the mindset of how they want to stay in control. How does this how how do you think this benefits them when we have big even white companies that are losing and having to fire people like what is the benefit? What do you think the ultimate plan is in this situation? I believe that America has had some buyer's remorse. America bought into the concept of nepotism. And I believe the powers that be who have now looked at the long-term plan are realizing that that is no longer working. Okay. That some of the original architects of America, though people may have found them to be brilliant, they were not very bright people. And now the new guards or the new management is looking at this and saying, okay, we have to reset this and they want to move more towards meritocracy. Now, it cannot be 100% pure meritocracy because the players that are in the game still have the remnants of racism on them, right? So even if you're moving towards meritocracy where you were going to reward the best and the brightest, some people are brighter because they benefited from racism, sexism, right? But I believe that COVID was to be the great sorter. When we all went in for COVID, we all came out very different. I often tell people that adversity does not build character. Adversity reveals character. You have a lot of people who have been dead weight in America of all races. A lot of people have been dead weight in companies because of nepotism. You know what it's like when you hire your friends and your family and they don't really work out. Mm. You've seen all businesses start off that way. And what do they eventually come to the conclusion? Junior got to go. Wow. Junior's killing the company. You love Junior, but you're like, you know what? This little, this little dumb, mm-mm. he got to go. So a lot of companies wake up and they realize that nepotism has killed them. So I do believe that we are in terms of reset where there were a lot of people who held managerial jobs and they actually really, and I hate to say it, it's going to sound fucked up. They should be on the goddamn work floor. Hmm. And we ain't all built the same. And I don't believe that people benefit when you just target one group and say, all of you guys will be slaves. That would be as stupid as saying, all the men in the world right now are going to be doctors. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. That's, that, that all or none absolutism never works, right? So what they've done is they've decided, let people go in. Think about this as a social experiment. I'm going to keep people behind closed doors for two years. I'm going to give them money. I'm going to give them time. I'm going to give them resources. And we're going to see what they become. Mm. A lot of people came out bigger, brighter, better than ever. You have some warehouse workers have come out with multi-million dollar companies. And you have some motherfuckers with four, five-figure salaries, gain weight, alcohol, drug addicted, TikTok, ain't did shit. Right. You had some people who went in and they just said, oh, let me scam. I really feel like the government had a target intended for the PPPs because there's far too many businesses that were legitimate who couldn't get the money. But think about it. The government runs on business taxes, mortgages, right? Taxes, property taxes. We are, as in the master investor said, tax was the first subscription based business. Mm. 
Ooh, let me repeat that. That's deep. Said taxes were the first subscription-based business. Your business, would you want to kill your subscribers, Ben? Nope. Nope, not the ones that pay on time and pay regularly, right? Right. Okay, so if you're going to run a play and you want to catch some folks, you're going to have a couple of different crop of people sign up. Now you got Johnny. Johnny ain't never had a business. Johnny ain't never owned a business. Johnny friend told him, hey, all you got to do is do this little paperwork shit. You know what I'm saying? Boom, boom, boom. That's an open and shut case. Got Johnny's punk ass. You have Tyler. Tyler may have a business, but Tyler didn't wrap the fuck out of his financials. And now Tyler's like, yeah, I'm going to need 20 million. You're like, mm, got Tyler's ass. Then you got Ben. Ben, regular business owner, real business, legitimate. And Ben is like, I need a little change. You look over Ben's shit, you like, Ben don't know he's some of these businesses we face now. Ben, ben probably ain't going to make it. I don't want Ben to take on this loan that he won't be able to pay back. And now Ben's on my bad side. Ben come up with his paperwork. Ah, ah, ah. Go on the side, Ben. Say, I got shit to do with you. But, 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 ah, ah, ah. Ben, go on to the side now. This ain't got shit to do with you. Read the indictments for the PPP cases. They're open and shut. There is no gray area. There is no, I was a legitimate business owner. I just borrowed an extra 10000 Oh, there's no cases like that. They are all, you had no business and your damn ass show didn't have no $100, 000, $100 million business. That's, that's, it's, 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 it's clear cut. Because why would the government want to shoot itself in the foot and kill its subscribers? See, y'all not really looking, like, look at the play. You get what I'm saying? And when you look at it, let's remove emotion, let's remove everything. It's really fucking well thought out. It's really well thought out. If you look at even the prisoner pipeline play, you look at the drug, when you look back over that damn plan, you like, yo, they really thought this shit out. They really knew what you was going to do and how you was going to respond and how you, you know what I'm saying? And they, they planning that they doing, they, they, they got you step by step by step and you are doing exactly. So when people say this was a setup, I'm like, bruh, can't keep running the same damn plan. You keep talking about this a setup now. Come on. Why would anybody in the black community play with the IRS? Now that, that, that come on now. Why, like if of all people to play with, you going to play with the IRS? No. So there is a herd thinning that is taking place. And what we don't know or maybe forget about white people is that white people ain't never been as loyal to race as you think they are. They started with themselves, baby. They, they screwed themselves over before they ever got to us. Right? You remember indentured servants? White people just, you know, the powers that be, they really work on efficiency. And like the, We take it personal because, of course, we're like, well, it's black. You were just actually selected. So regardless of what you feel, whether we were here or we weren't here, Regardless of how you feel slavery came about, slavery did exist. And when we think about Darwinism, we were fit for slavery when you think about it, because what was the conditions during slavery? When they tried the white people and they have these harsh tropical conditions that these Europeans were not used to because some of them came over here voluntarily and then others, we paid their debt and debtors jail and we got them from Europe. Okay, that's how we got a lot of the white slaves. Well, those people were not fit for this environment physically. 
And then when you had malaria, when they were over there in Virginia's and stuff like that, they were dying of malaria because they had no resistance to malaria. Now, a lot of the Native Americans who they did try to force into slave labor, they were better fit because they had some sickle cell. Sickle cell, you know, is what helps us be resistant, resistant to malaria. So, of course, some of the Native Americans have sickle cell trait, but they know the terrain. You're just not going to be able to just, you, you know what I'm saying? You can't just take him. He like he know how to get the hell up out of here, bro. Like, it's not going to work, right? So when they got us, you got a group of people who don't know the terrain as, as well, right? You got a group of people who don't have a support system. They have nowhere to go. They're easily identified by color. Like that was really like, yo, this is great because it doesn't matter where you go. I know immediately, you see what I'm saying? You are wrong. You are guilty just by your color. And we had sickle cell in large amounts because of the malaria, you know, from the sickle cell trait that we have over there in Africa, because we dealt with malaria and mosquitoes. So when you think about out of all of those potential candidates as a workforce, we were fit in terms of what the environment needed. And then their opportunity for capture and control was a lot easier. But I think if, you know, the white folks would have worked, they probably would have started and just kept that thing going, but that didn't work. So they had to Get another labor. And then when slavery as a system became too much, what did they do? They was like, okay, time to X that. we got to figure out something else, right? And so now you move to immigration. And then, you see what I'm saying? Okay, that ain't working now. Okay, well, let's go overseas with it. Like, they're always shifting. They Trust me, they're always shifting. They're always just looking for the optimal candidate. And right now, the optimal candidate is a prisoner. Mm. Prison was the perfect answer. You have the perfect barriers, you have it codified into law, and most importantly, you don't have any public sympathy. See, when you did slavery, the world would look at you and say, this is unfair, like all of them shouldn't be, this isn't right. But then when you say, well, he murdered someone and he raped someone, oh, well, fuck him. You see what I'm saying? There's no public sympathy for that. Prisoners are perfect when you think of, you need a controlled environment of a slave labor class. How does it get any better than that? So you create the conditions. A lot of people don't know that some of these states, they actually have the private prisons have quotas. They have capacity rates. And if they don't have 95% full capacity in these prisons, they sue the state. Y'all don't know what y'all up against. You you can't. You you can't understand that Verizon has a 24-hour call system in a prison. And so does Sprint. And so does a lot of the airlines. So when you call in to make airline reservations, a lot of times you call in prison. You can't possibly know, like, a lot of your fruit, vegetable, are being picked by prisoners from oh, Walmart. Wow. That they have whole farms in prisons that they literally are sewing your Victoria's Secret underwear in prison. The Gap prison. Like, you, you, you I don't think y'all, maybe I should have I, I brought my list. I should have brought my list so that I could show you guys the list of all the companies that you do business with every single day. You don't know that McDonald's is using prison labor to process your meat and package your frozen goods. And so is Whole Foods. And so is Wendy's. Mm. Oh, and you didn't know that they pay the prisoners anywhere from a dollar to maybe dollar eight a day. And they package it under prison reform. So the corporation actually gets a cutback 
tax break? Mm. Oh, you you didn't know that most of a lot of your Microsoft Dell and all of them have been using the prisoners for a lot of parts. Your eyeglasses that all of your street signs were made in prison. That all of your damn your hospital furniture, that the furniture in the White House was built largely by prisoners. Oh, baby, y'all are in for a very rude awakening. Y'all are in for a very rude. Look at some of the blueprints for the prisons now. They actually look like warehouses now. Wow. This is not a game. They will be replacing you. And it's coming down to what we call a barbell economy. Typically, the economy looks like a snowman that if you flip him over, you got the little head, the medium, and then the big body, right? Well, if you flip him over, you would have the rich, the middle class, and then the poor, right? Being the big fat body. I want you to take that middle and squeeze it. But I want you to put a little bit more definitely on the poor people's end. That's a barbell. You know how a barbell looks? That's the economy because America has realized that we don't need all these micromanagers. We need more laborers than we need. We have systems. We have prison guards that can monitor hundreds of people in prison. Like you don't need that much. This is where we're moving to. And so it's really kind of like slavery or, you know, how we say like you're either sitting at the table or you're on the plate. But a few of you, if you're lucky, will be able to serve the food and wash the dishes. So if you want to know when the casting call was or the new resorting, it was the pandemic. How did you come out? That was when you, you ever seen those companies and they make you re, uh, reapply for your job? They sit down with you and they're like, so Ben, what do you do for the company? Remember uh, Office Space when, they, when they, they made everybody interview for their job? Well, that's what y'all just went through. Literally, America just said, so what do you do for America? Well, well uh, see, I, I work at a, uh, really, what, what is your day like? What do you do? <laughs> and then now you're finding yourself in a different position. Mm-hmm. Some of the top 12. Starbucks, baby, they packaging. Walmart, yes, I saw J.C. Penney's on here, Victoria's oh, Secret. This is not a game. Wow. This is, this is not a game. And now they're about to have some really smart prisoners in there with all of these business owners. Get you to work. And for those of you who may not have to sit in a prison, don't forget, we just had a practice drill. Mm. You show them that you can work quite well at home yeah. and be very productive. All they have to do is put that little ankle monitor on your ass. And you will be working off that 250 Oh, I'm sorry, $1 million fine per case. Plus the money that you owe back. Wow. So when I bring the truth about don't you quit your damn job, it's because I know all of what is out there waiting for you. I know that when you find yourself unemployed, no income, because you already got employment or they're out of employment, or you know what I'm saying, whatever the fuck is going to happen, right? And you find yourself out of work. And you have collections and you have debt and you have money and you have all of these circumstances and you get desperate. It's real easy to find yourself doing some shit 
to eat and to live. I know the trap that they're setting for you and why. What is the larger picture here? I'm just asking you to maintain yourself. I'm not asking you to give up your hopes and dreams. I'm saying start your hustle. Yes, please, please freelance yourself. You do not have to be a whole entire business. If someone pays you for a job, just try to figure out a way to cut out the middleman and go direct to consumer. So if you are doing call center work, I mean, or customer service work, just find out a way to be a virtual customer service agent is what I'm saying. If you are doing accounting, just find a way to just, you know, freelance yourself. You don't have to start this whole business and this whole thing. Just freelance yourself out. Right now, I have a course, How to Start Your Freelance Job. And it gives you step-by-step of the legalities, how to set up your contracts, what's the price that you should be charging, how to set the pricing point up, how to source clients, where to place yourself. I have a course up now and that course is 35, but anybody who gets it, if you do code Ben X, you can get 50% off. And I wasn't even going to put that back because I ran a fire sale for that for the longest. You know, this is the thing that gets me, Ben, and you probably get accused of this. We sound the bell. Now me, I'm not just an alarmist. I am a solutionist. So I've had to learn how to temper bad news with solution because I get the anger. I get the anger. I give you the bad news. You want to shoot the messenger. You're fear mongering us. You're just, ah, right. I get all of that. So what I've learned is people can accept a reality that they're not prepared for a lot easier if you give them a solution. So a lot of times I tell you bad news, but I give you solution. A lot of those solutions have nothing to do with anything profitable for me. They're just like, go here, do this, try that. You know what I'm saying? I'm just giving you guys ideas. I'm giving you solutions. But then I've also created solutions. I've created solutions. I've created opportunities. I've created platforms. I don't make excuses. You see what I'm saying? I literally build solutions. Then when I provide the solution, ah, you're just marketing. So when I tell you the problem, if I don't have a solution, well, why are you telling us that shit? Oh my God, you're just fear-mongering. Okay, well, let me give you a solution. Oh, you're just selling us. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I'm giving it to you low cost. You see what I'm saying? I'm not even, I'm literally not price gouging. I believe you can be a social capitalist. I believe you can make money and do good and you don't have to rob people. You don't have to exploit people, right? But I'm trying to give you a structured solution that's easy, not some you don't have to go start a trucking company and a real estate company. Like we're past that point. If you if you didn't really start that shit up, I ain't gonna lie to you. About three years ago, you 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 kind you late, bro. Am I lying? You if you if you really trying to get in that, you damn near kind of late because because of the timing. You get what I'm saying? Because you already got folks that's already been kicking that off and. So if you didn't do it then, I'm not saying don't, but don't think you about to jump in and just make that shit happen right now. It does not work like that. You don't have the three to four year learning curve is what I'm saying. Okay. You don't have that buffer. Right. So if anyone is just looking and thinking like, okay, sis, well, what can I do? Please keep your job and please try to find a way to freelance yourself out. That's my, my, that's my ultimate recommendation. Find any kind of automated, that hustle I just gave y'all earlier. Find something you love. 
do a super niche environment. What is the best shampoo for 4C hair texture? Create blogs on that. I want you to niche it all the way down. Don't even compete with the big boys. I want you to go super, super niche on the subject matter. Then I want you to find the companies that are great. I want you to create a blog for it. I want you to then make sure you go and create an affiliate link for as many of those companies as you possibly can. Do not be stupid. If there's a great company, don't omit them from your list just because you cannot get an affiliate program with them. Okay. So even if you only got six out of 10 of your links or affiliate links, hell, that's better than nothing. So be honest, be sincere, be genuine in your reviews. Okay. So that you are credible and create you as many little sites like that as you can and see if you can get you some affiliate money in that way. And if you're super smart, You'd make you a pre-poo shampoo, baby, and put yourself on the fucking list. Here's a little known shampoo that ain't really popular, but it's pretty good. You see what I'm saying? I'm just, this is something that you can literally be building out every single day, just making these little websites, right? With resources, information, people search for that kind of stuff because you make people's lives easier with those lists. That's a free hack. I'm about to do my hackathon. Ben's going to be on it. He's just finding this out with y'all. <laughs> so I'm going to host a hackathon. My hackathons are a very different setup. You know, we typically do webinars. Say you have a lot of people that come on, right, Ben? Y'all come on. We talk. We give our origin story. We give our kitchen table story. We give our motivation. We drop our products. We drop our special. We peace out. That ain't this. You got 30 damn minutes. The timer will be on the screen and you will drop 10 fire ass hacks. We're not playing no more. Drop it. You can't do 10. I give you 15 minutes. You can drop five. Show the people that you really do this shit. Show the people that you ain't fluff. Show the people that you got shit in your arsenal. I give y'all shit all goddamn day. And I promise I won't run out. I'm built different. I can give you my old shit. I can give you the same shit. I can give you my new shit. I can tell you really what the programs, the apps, the shit that I really do. I really will drop fire ass hacks on you like spreader oh you want drop shit look hey this is spreader app right here go over here you get that motherfucking spreader app take that shit into your amazon get that amazon link put that shit in spreader and shopify it will import all of the items pictures variants description every fucking thing now you got two options create an affiliate link with a uh, amazon have them send the shit you won't do no work you ain't gonna get number little funky 10 15 or you cut out the middle motherfucking man make yourself the middle man have yourself as the vendor, have the product come to you, do two-day prime, repackage it in your shit, mark it up $10, $15, add shipping in that shit and then send it. That's the way you can make money right motherfucking now without buying no inventory, without having to, you know what I'm saying, putting items that you know your customers like and work with. I was doing that while I was building my company. I literally was sourcing other people's stuff, right? Have you sent it to me? Unpackage that shit, put it in my packaging, send it to you. What's up? Yeah, I used to do dropship when I was in uh, college, shoot. That's how I was making my money. I was selling pots and pans from Walmart and everything. What? <laughs> do you hear me? And those are not old hustle. Those are things that we've evolved from. But that was ways. No, that ain't no. I, see, I'm not going to tell you, oh, I'm going to get you t- uh, 10 to 20K a month. I'm not going to. I'm Girl, I'm putting a 2-3 in your pocket right now. I get a little 2-3, little 4-5. 
Okay, little four five. That, that that's good on that rent right now. That's good on. I'm gonna tell you how to get you a little, just a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of cushion. Now you can go up from that. Don't get me wrong, but that's what I'm looking for. You gonna have to pull out some of your old shit, Ben. When you, hey, let me tell y'all, you little pots and pans, okay? And then, and then when, <laughs> when you do these pots and pans, now look, hey, to make sure you get that shipping cost in there because I done fucked up. See, that's what I'm looking for. Have a hackathon with real fire ways and real solutions that these people can really do something and make a move right now with a little bit, you know, a little bit of startup, a little bit of no no cost, maybe just a little bit of sweat equity and some and some and some elbow grease. But that's what I'm looking for. Right? I'm going to drop hacks on y'all. You don't even need a graphic designer. You don't even need, I'll eliminate your whole, you don't even need five no more. Do you understand? That's what I'm saying. Well, I'm going to give you, this is this is where you get it. That's right there. The graphic designers will want to choke shit out of me if I gave you this app right now. But they're going to be mad when I drop it anyway. True, they probably using it. <laughs> Man, I found, I found an app the other day where you literally, them, 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 uh, nah, not the other day, it was like months ago, where people are paying to get yourself turned into a cartoon. Looks real cool. Man, I found an app that can do that in two minutes. You put your picture in there, I'm, boom, that thing turned like a whole, somebody drew that whole thing. Listen, that's what I'm saying. And whether you want to use those services for yourself so you can cut back on your expenses or you want to outsource those mm-hmm. and charge people, that's up to you. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? But these are ways that you can generally either save money or make money. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you are in business, there's only two things that people really want to buy from you right now. How you going to save me some money or how you going to make me some money? Any motherfucking thing else is irrelevant because you don't even you're not even in the luxury class to have the conversation. You're not in that class. You know the people who got money, money right now. They're spending that money. We don't even. We not even. We ain't selling no Lamborghinis and shit. So you know we 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 got to focus on our people and really drill down. And I'm gonna tell you. Remember what it was like. There is a thing we say in our community. I'm gonna say it, Ben. You finish it. More money, more problems. That's a lie. Yeah. That's a lie. Did y'all know that? I'm gonna tell you why it's a lie. If you're an entrepreneur, what is your primary directive? What is the one fundamental thing that you do as an entrepreneur, Ben? I don't care what you sell. I don't care what you do. But what do you do at the end of the day? Uh, Make money. Mm -mm. But how you make your money? Um, Selling products. And when you sell those products, what is that under the guise of? Why are you why are people buying your products? Uh, because I'm uh, delivering a need. I mean, delivering a, a solution to their problem. Woo! What? That, that's the word. That's the word. Back up. What was the word? Solution. Begin with an S. Woo! So, what do you do again as an entrepreneur? Provide solutions. <gasps> What's the opposite of a solution? A problem. He say more money, more problem. So, an entrepreneur got to say more problems. More solutions. More money. Because more problem is more opportunity for you to provide a solution. Wow. I literally did a laugh about that the other day. So there's this thing where Grant Cardone be like, you know, we don't make money. You know, uh, who got my money? But I said, who got my problem? Because money is only a byproduct of you solving a solution. So think about what's going on today and come up with a solution for it. 
Don't say more money, more problem. You are, you, you are an entrepreneur, more problems, more money. I got a flyer I made. I thought I was the only one who thought like this. I have a, I have a, a flyer that I posted years ago that says more money, less problems. And the reason I said that was because if I got more money, shoot, I got more resources to pay somebody else to do it. Why do I have to have more problems just because I got more money? You actually have less problems because you can start throwing money at your problems. See, it's mindset, but we have been trained and indoctrinated with a negative relationship with money, especially us as people, because we were the money. We were the capital. Mm. We were, there was a price on your head. So when you think about value and money, that's why we started a negative relationship with money in this country, because everything about us boiled down to money. We saw the evils that were committed to us for money. We didn't look and separate that this person, you see what I'm saying? And what this was was separate outside of that. So we started a negative relationship with money. Then money, when you take a negative relationship with money, it is a justifier for poverty. What I mean by that is that when you are poor, mentally, it hurts. It doesn't feel good. So it's easy to look at him and say, well, he has money and success because he's evil. He sold his soul. Wall Street Trapper did a lot. And he said, y'all ever notice all the cartoon when the rich people is rich, they all bad. Scrooge McDuck. All, all, all the rich people are painted evil and bad. So if that's money, why would you want money? You see how, you know, we, we get into that whole like money is evil is the root of all evil. So we have a very toxic relationship and everything that we speak about, look at it. Money is problems. If you keep saying that to yourself psychologically, why would you ever want to pursue money? Right. Exactly. How would you ever want to hold on to money? Like, you are afraid of money. I remember my negative idea of credit. I was raised in a house with credit cards for the big shit. And, oh, Lord, you get a credit card. Your credit card. You're going to be fucked. Your credit. Your life is over. I didn't want no credit card. I was like, oh, my God, a credit card. I was terrified. In my home, that's how credit was looked at. It was looked at this this tattletale ass report system that's just gonna keep you down. So when I when people file for credit, no, nah, no, nah, I, ain't, I ain't fucking with no credit card. I ain't fucking with no credit card. I used to think credit card was for the big shit. I remember I was literally y'all, twenty two years old, went to the grocery store and I was a uh, it was a navy federal navy uh, naval base and I saw a white woman using her credit card for her groceries and I was thinking like, oh, she must be down bad as shit. She used her credit card for her groceries. That's that's what I was thinking. So we got to understand how we're being conditioned. And y'all know if you know credit, you know that's a whole ass lie. But that's what I believed. And that was my relationship with it until I learned better. So we have to start to recondition ourselves. It's not money. Money is merely a tool, right? In one hand, a hammer is can build a home. and another one, it can destroy a kingdom. Hmm? Still a hammer. Yes, ma'am. So we got to close. I got class. I got to teach at uh, 7. So I'm four minutes behind. So if y'all watch me, I'm sorry. This has just been such a great podcast, man. Very needed podcast. I want to point something out before we close, though. There's a lot that y'all heard today. Some of y'all probably worried. Some of y'all probably like, oh, my goodness. I didn't know it was that deep. But one main thing that I hope y'all heard was more problems could potentially mean more money for you. 
if a business is the activity of life, as the minister teaches us, and all we're doing is offering solutions, if you have the right mindset as an entrepreneur, that's that also can be a good thing if you have a creative mindset, if you're a freelancer, like she said, if you're willing to step outside your box and go learn other skills, the more problems that are happening because of this, the more people are going to need you to pay you to make their life can easier. I, I exactly. Let me have 60 seconds. Let me explain something to y'all. There were more millionaires made in the Great Depression than any time prior in American history. Mm. In the pandemic, there was a new billionaire generated every 30 hours. I need y'all to understand something. This is a wealth transfer. Money does not disappear. It only changes hands. And I'm going to give you a word of encouragement for why we are, when I spoke about Darwinism, the fittest right now. Because right now, we're moving into a different environment and a landscape. The landscape, like fit is one in which people need to maximize their resources. They're going to have to stretch every dollar that they have. They're going to have to find alternate solutions. They're going to have to find low cost, no cost means and ways of doing things. Who's the best teacher of that? Those of us who've lived that. Who knows how to do the most with the least right now? We do. Who knows how to be creative and transform literally Nothing into something. We do. Who knows? Well, oh, well, this, I'm going to tell you where to go. Girl, you ain't got no money. Let me tell you what. Go down here. See what you do is you go down there. You get on this. You get on that. You do this. You do that. We do. Which means we are fit. Other people who have been rich and create products out of richness, they've never had problems to even have to solve. So they don't even understand this new terrain. They need your guidance. They need your help right now. They need your ingenuity right now. They need your innovation right now. This is actually the best time to be poor and broke and come up with solutions. What I'm only asking you to do is to keep your feet firmly planted on the ground. Do not leave your stable income right now in order to do that. You can do both. If you go to Shop Aconundrum right now, shopaconundrum.com, Brother Ben X is right there. It says freelance. If you type in Ben X, you can get 50% off of that course. I'm going to close that out in the next hour. Okay. But that's just for anybody right now. It's like, I'm just want to freelance. Okay. That was it. So I thank you guys for listening. I thank you for your time. Ben, thank you for your platform. I thank you for also being a guest on the hackathon. You guys (laughs) put it here first. Yes, man. I definitely will be there. Just give me the details and I'll be uh, honored to come. I'm, I'm looking next month. You know, I'm thinking about, about probably like the end of this month, probably next month. I got a lot going on right now this month. But yes. Okay. So you guys ready here first. Thank you, Ben. All right. Sounds good. Well, I thank you. Hopefully we can do a part two because I know it's still a lot that you got to give and, 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 and want to give. So uh, we'll figure out a way how to make that happen. But that girl y'all. said, I can do this for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, y'all. All right. Peace. All right, y'all. Man, this is a, this is a great podcast. I don't know about y'all, man. This is a great podcast. Uh, make sure y'all tune in uh, and, 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 and stay tuned for part two. Also subscribe to the YouTube channel, Brother Ben X. And again, if you all are interested in learning how I make money, if you're interested in learning how we are doing things from home digitally, uh, multiple streams of income, multiple digital products that you can sell, we actually show you how to actually go get out, uh, get these affiliate uh, links and um, affiliate products over twenty thousand. You can you can find over twenty thousand 
uh, digital products where you can get paid. So even if you don't come up with the solution, as long as you know who has the problem and who has the solution as the middleman, you can still get paid. So that's what we're going to be teaching you guys as well. So this Sunday, if you guys are interested in my digital real estate webinar, go to www.drecourses.com www.drecourses.com I want you to think with an abundance mindset. No less than $10,000 a month. I want that to be your goal. No less than $10,000 a month. See, successful people got a routine. The reason we're not successful is because we don't got no routine. We getting up every day, every month. Digital real estate has honestly changed my entire life, changed my business, changed the way I think about business, changed the way I think about my life in general. Like I got screenshots of my insights doing 943% better than the week before, all because of the stuff that I utilized from the digital real estate program. Her eight-year-old son was making $1,000 a week. Man, I need to tap into whatever this program is. The clarity of what digital real estate is. It's like physical real estate, but on the digital side. Doing what Brother Ben told us to do in digital real estate, I watched my numbers grow. You were explaining how I can take things that I think are normal, just really based things that I do on a daily basis, and say, hey, that's content. He broke down on how to monetize your actual content and your intellectual content and monetize it and actually live off of it. Many people believe that digital real estate is selling homes online, but that's not what it is. The scripture says your gift will make room for you and bring you amongst great men. That's, that's what the program is doing. It's mining the gems that are already inside of you and bringing that out and helping you understand what your value is. So what the digital real estate program does is tap into your gift, your skills, your purpose, your talent, and shows you how to scale it online through impact. You coaches are bar none acceptable. Now, I ain't got no mic like y'all, but y'all see this pen? <laughs> it's dropped, okay? I made $2,000. Oh, come on. In three days. People don't understand. You you got to get this course. I started to learn the power of social media because uh, before being on social media, I was just doing that, being social. It really transformed my life. We had uh, close to a $20,000 month, and then we had a $10,000, close to a $10,000 month. And Ben is up here blessing people game, giving people free game. I don't know why y'all have not listened to this man yet, have not invested in yourself by getting his digital real estate platform. Now, Ben got a heck of a program. A lot of people listening to Brother Ben. I believe we shouldn't focus on passive income. We should focus on passive impact. Because the more people we impact, the more income will come. Y'all heard of BNX? <laughs> no, I heard of BNX. <laughs> He's one of the younger brothers. BNX. Ben, ben. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that name somewhere. Yeah. I've seen that name. Allah has imposed on all of his creatures... The duty of doing something for self. You think I'm still I love you, Ben.